This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Send me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Nice to have you along. It's a wonderful summer here in Arizona. We're getting our 110-degree stuff back. And I guess I'm kind of weird because it didn't really bother me too much. But <laughs> we've been here about two years, and I love it. I love going out in the desert, love having time out in the, alone with the Lord in the desert. And and I, I spent four days alone with him two months ago in the desert, and it was beautiful. I can see I, – I've learned by doing – watching what Jesus did and watching what we were shown in Scripture. And and I don't just believe that we should study the Bible. I believe we should live it. And then when we live it, that's when it can become powerful and alive and we can learn so much. And from those times in the desert, resting in silence with God, it's just amazing. Every time I go, I, I encounter him and hear his voice and my soul comes to a place of rest, rest of soul, and I think that's just so critical for these days we live in. And heck, all you got to do is watch the news and you can get traumatized. And so we have to use wisdom on how much of that stuff we ingest. And uh, you take too, take too much of that in, it's like drinking a pint of anxiety. It's, you know, you got to have, you got to use wisdom in everything we're doing these days and so today I have Sandy England back. Sandy is the facilitator of our wives' ministry, and she's also the glue that holds Blazing Grace together and uh, leads support groups for wives and counseling. And Sandy, welcome back. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> so Sandy, in um, a recent team meeting we had, what came out one of the discussions was that the men who dabble in prayer are the ones who do not recover. And Tim Tim Peterson, who leads our men's courses, he's actually the one who shared that. He saw he so prayer is critical. And throughout our eight week men's course, um, we have the men praying. The guys have to call another man every week, every week, every day, once a day to share where they are and pray with each other. And then um, some of the assignments involve prayer and worshiping and resting with God. And so prayer is a huge emphasis. And what Tim was saying was the guys just kind of touch their toe in the water with prayer, you know, kind of a ritualistic, God, please help me, please forgive me, please um, set me free from my sin, but their heart really in, into it, 
or they don't give it a good effort, um, those are the ones, the ones who are just kind of playing around at the edges, those are the ones who don't recover. And, and I would say that that goes for everyone, not just men who are trying to recover from any addiction, porn addiction, sex addiction, anger, resentment, bitterness, but women and wives who are trying to heal or anyone who wants to have a vital, passionate love relationship with the Lord. We cannot dabble in prayer. We have to go all the way in, meaning more than just a minute a morning and and then what do we do in our churches? Um, Sunday morning, you're the pastor's do about a 50-second prayer, God bless our service, and boom. So basically the church is dabbling in prayer, and we're teaching people to dabble in prayer. And So, Sandy, what is your take on all this? Mm, I would have to agree. Um, I can mostly speak to the wives, of course, because I don't always get a chance to talk to the husbands. Once in a while I get that blessing, but for the most part I... Um, talk to the wives, and when we first talk about um, prayer, um, you know, a lot of them are like, oh, like the Lord's Prayer, or prayer scripture, and I'm like, no, you talk, you talk, you talk to them. He knows what you're already thinking and you're feeling, so you talk to them, and that's kind of a new concept for them, you know, just to pray about everything, you know, this is a difficult situation, Lord, I need please guide me, please help me with this, or, Lord, I'm really struggling with this lie, help me identify your truth. Um, So just walking with the women on how to pray um, is one of the first things in a lot of groups we have to talk about, because many say they do pray, and I do believe they do, but they don't pray on a personal level, if that makes sense, about what they're thinking, about what they're feeling, what they're believing. So we talk about that and to actually pray for each other. Another piece of that is um, taking the time to identify what you're truly feeling. Instead of saying, I'm mad because he did this, start really looking at what it is that you're feeling so that you can actually articulate it and give it to the cross and ask for healing for that specific thing, you know, like betrayal, or I'm dealing with when he said this, and it really hurt me to the bone. Why does that hurt so much, you know, to actually put words to what you're feeling so you can articulate it and give it to the cross. Mm -hmm. So as a part of what you're saying is that they haven't I don't know, had much experience or understood how to pray from the core of their heart? Mm, I think that's a good way to put it. They, um, with the why, um, in many cases, they don't feel they have a voice. Um, and so when we go through the first couple weeks of the Wife's Heart course, we talk about who we are and our value and who God made us to be. And for them to say, to even pray, they're like, well, he knows. And I'm like, yes, he knows, but he wants you to say it and give it to him. That To give him that voice um, that God wants them to speak to him and pray from the heart, because he already knows what they're feeling, is really a concept for them. They're like, wow. 
And then, you know, those who do and start really praying, um, it becomes quite the habit. I mean, you do it all the time. So, yeah, learning to pray from the core, that they have a voice, that the Lord wants to hear them talk to him, and the Lord wants him them to share what they're truly feeling and to be able to put words to it. Mm. I hope that helps. So what has happened so that they don't believe they have a voice? Um, kind of some of our past conversations, um, they don't believe they have a voice because they believe um, part of what their husband is doing is their fault. You know, they've probably been told in some cases by their husbands, well, if you did this, I wouldn't do that, or whatever the case may be. So... Um, again, they don't have a voice because they're probably listening to lies of the enemy saying, well, you know, that's your fault. Maybe you shouldn't say that. Or why are you still not over that? You need to be over that. Why are you not over that? And that's not, those are all voices of the enemy. So they become, um, well, at least I became very withdrawn. I was building walls around myself. And when I did that, I couldn't even hear the Lord. Hmm. I was too busy trying to protect myself and not be a burden or not have a voice or not rock the boat or whatever it may be. So it's just a lot of things um, used against each of us, not just the women, men. I think we belong, we believe um, so many of the lies of the enemy that we've done something wrong, that we shouldn't even speak out against it, and so we don't have a voice. You use the words protect myself and not be a burden. Those are some pretty heart-weighing-down phrases there. Yep, and I'm just using my own experience. That's what I believe. You know, when I was going, when Dusty and I were going through all of this, I was always like, well, don't rock the boat. Um, I used to believe I deserved it. I deserved, you know, I must have done something horrible for God to give me Dusty back in the day. Um, um, Those were things that I believed, and that was part of my healing was to say, no, I didn't do anything bad. Um, And eventually God really placed on my heart that he picked me for Dusty because he knew I'd be a fighter for Dusty. Hmm. I'm wondering if some of this um, not being a burden or the shattered self-esteem or however you want to say it, maybe a piece of it, at least for some women, might come from the abuse of the verses about submitting to the husband and, and perhaps some husbands using that to bludgeon their women into a corner. Yes. Um, as you know, you and I've had a couple conversations about that. Um, my comments and my thoughts, and I actually, um, in some groups, we have to go through that verse. We pull it up, and we read the Bible. And I said, okay, this is what it says, that yes, it says this, but let's read before that. Before that, Jesus is telling them how a husband should be, how a, um, 
that they are to cherish you and they're a godly man. If your husband's a godly man, doing the submission and stuff is, like, easy. It's not even a, a deal. That's because your husband is of God, so you're protected and you know that he loves you and cherishes you. If your husband is of the world, how do you submit to that when he is of the world? Meaning he's self-centered, he's selfish, he's lustful, whatever. How are we supposed to submit, submit to that? So we go back to the Bible and we do not look just at that verse. We look at what is this as a whole. If your husband is of God and following as close as he can, then you are safe to be obedient and submitting, not if he's of the world. Which is another way of saying, um, I don't think it's God's heart for a wife to continue to allow herself to be abused spiritually or verbally or emotionally um, with a man or even a pastor using those verses to bludgeon them. And I pull... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say even a friend, even a sister, even somebody. It's like you start losing who you are in Christ um, when you let people... um, If you feel that you have to stay in that situation. Mm. I don't think that's what... I mean, look who Jesus ran with. Those people didn't stay in those situations. They they were poor and they were sick. Um, and they went to Jesus for help. When we start believing those things, it's hard to go to Jesus for help unless we have faith. Yep. I hope that makes sense. Yep. And I pulled up Ephesians 5 while you were talking. Uh, right before the wives be subject to their own husband says to the Lord, this verse is one verse before. It says, be subject to one another in the mm-hmm. fear of Christ. So... What is he saying? There's times when I have to submit to my wife because um, I might have an idea that's just really not good. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and if I don't listen to her and listen to what she's saying with some measure of humility and I go ahead with it, I could be I could make a really big mistake, and I've done that before. And So, yeah, the husband is the leader, but... Mm-hmm. Both there are times in marriage when both have to be subject to each other. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, um, God gave you Michelle because He knows her heart and He knows that she loves you. So she will probably speak truth to you in love. Um, when I when I say something to Dusty. It's not to beat him up or degrade him, but if he's making a bad choice, I want to be heard. And, you know, I want to be a part of it to um, protect us. Um, And if he has valid concerns, we both pray on it, and it's in line. So I don't, when a wife is saying something to a husband, it's not necessarily to challenge their authority. It's because they're united in a marriage and they have a voice. Yeah, and the other side too is um, both sides submitting to each other. Sometimes some men just feel beaten up like I can't get anything right. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. the wife has the power to build him up into the man 
God has made him to be, or she can shred him into pieces. So her words have power. And so the wives who, you know, there are there are some wives who we've seen who their philosophy is the moral, the, um, my mind just slipped. The beatings will continue until morale improves. And, and he can't just get anything right. So it's, it's a two-way, straight, two-way street of both sides building each other up and both sides submitting when appropriate. I agree. I agree. And, you know, even, even in the wife part, as you know, you wrote it, um, we talk about the P word. Um, and that is one of the best lessons, I think, of the wife heart group. It's how our words, what we're thinking, how we're projecting um, what we're saying um, to our husbands, the impact it has on them. And where is our heart when we're saying those things? So, yeah, I agree. A wife can mm, devastate a husband just as much as a husband can devastate a wife. Mm-hmm. If they're not careful. Let's go back to dabbling a little bit. And we talked about dabbling with prayer at the beginning, but really you can expand that to all the Christian life to where there are there are some believers who kind of dabble in it and all they give God is Sunday and then that's really about it. And they don't have much of a prayer life or a lot of their input. What I mean by input is by what they're feeding on. Throughout the week is secular entertainment, secular music, secular media, social media, and and they're living choked lives. And and I just see with the Christian life, we can't dabble in that either. We have to go all the way in with God. And God, you've got to be my passion. You've got to be the thing, the one I want the most, no matter what. And Christian life is hard. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if you're try if anyone tries to tell me it's easy, I'll be looking. I'm like. <laughs> You're living in um, fairy tale world, dude. Because um, as soon as you really get serious about just prayer, I mean, the enemy; those are the ones the enemy is going to like start chucking arrows at. Mm-hmm. And so we we can't we can't raise believers who dabble in the Christian life. We have to raise rogue Christians who go all out for God. I agree, and that. I think one of the biggest prayers we can pray for ourselves to be strong is that God surround us with other believers that will speak truth to us and hold us up and hold us accountable for when we're kind of maybe not in line, because that's love, actually. So, Sandy, we were talking recently, and I've been, me and my family have been looking for a church the last two years, and... You moved to Oklahoma last year, and you're looking for a church. And share with our listeners of what kind of church you're looking for. What you're looking for in a church? Oh, well, there's been a couple churches that I have just loved, um, and what I loved about them was they were real. They were raw. And what I mean by that was they didn't care if they sang off-key. They didn't care if <laughs> they, how they were dressed or um, what they were doing. They were there to be with 
fellow brothers and sisters and worship God. And it was just so, the Holy Spirit was just so there. They didn't um, worry about how they prayed. They just prayed, and they kept on praying, and they kept on praying. Um, They didn't care what, they weren't there to impress each other. They were there to worship together. So Dusty and I want that raw, real church to where, you know, it's nice to go in and there's great music and that's beautiful and it's all pretty and shiny. I just didn't go to the little country church where they're really on their knees praying or the little biker church that we went to where these guys were singing at the top of their lungs, just praising God. Those are the churches we're looking for. Well, and to fill in the blanks for our listeners a little bit, one of those churches I've been um, to with Sandy when we did a conference there a couple years ago in Missouri, and small church, 30 or 40 people, but they it's not what I would call a performance-driven church where everybody sits on their butt, watches, and then goes home. So they break everybody up, men with men, women with women, they share and they pray, and then they have time singing and praising. And I don't remember there even being an instrument. All we heard was voices, from what I remember. Yep, me too. Me and too. that was refreshing to me because I get tired of going into churches with a rock band so loud you can't even hear yourself sing. And then at that point, mm-hmm. you know, am I am I really singing and worshiping, or am I getting? carried away by the music. So that was so frustrating just to hear people's voices and there was a stronger stronger sense of community and a bond singing that way. And boy, can you imagine if going into a church and there's no there's no worship band, just people singing? And I think that would throw some people off and they'd start squirming, but it's a good it's a good squirm because that's a squirm of growth and what was the early church devoted to? Fellowship prayer and teaching it and that's right on the money with what I think you're saying you're looking for Sandy and I know I'm hungry for too mm-hmm. exactly um, what I remember about that specific church is it had not just a pastor it had other people speaking and teaching and it was just a community um, that you felt a part of Yes, you had the pastor, and you had his lesson, but other people were teaching, and they, um, it was just so much accountability, so much um, uh, just community, that they, you knew it was just because we were there. This is what they did, and they just allowed us to be part of it. Mm-hmm. This is what they did every week, and it was just real. It was so amazing. Yeah, and they invited us into their homes, and um, there was really a sense of a bond and relationships and friendships that came out of that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep, that's where we're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> in Oklahoma. So. All right. I don't. 30 seconds left. So talk to the the church or the person who is dabbling with the Christian life? Um, dabbling. 
Well, do you dabble in everything you do? Um, if you're a dabbler, maybe you need to look at your own self. But I, um, I think dabbling is dangerous. Um, if you truly, excuse me, the Bible calls us to do, you can't do both. You can't dabble, be of the world, and follow Christ. You have to choose. So if you're dabbling, and you're probably needing to really do a self-evaluation, get on your knees and pray and ask God to help you be committed um, so that you're hungry for it and you're ready to fight for it. Because if you're dabbling, you're opening too many doors. That's mm. what I would say. That's what I say to my sisters. So. That's great. I loved it because we don't hear enough warnings. So I, I think that was well-spoken. Uh Nope, that must have been of God, because <laughs> what I believe. So, yeah, don't don't dabble. Well, thank you thank for joining you. us, and we'll see you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144. 